Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. I'm Baha Etmanen, the founder and editor of Ageless by Rescue. Ageless by Rescue gives you unprecedented access to international and Australian experts and visionaries. Hi, it's Miranda Kerr here on Ageless by Rescue podcast. Hi, this is Martha Kay and you are on Ageless by Rescue podcast. I'm Trini Woodall. I mean, I feel I'm being interviewed by the sexiest woman in the world. Samantha Wills is an Australian creative director, entrepreneur, author and educator whose career began in 2004 at the age of 21 when she launched her jewellery brand, Samantha Wills. The brand that she started from the table of her shared flat later became one of Australia's most well-known and loved jewellery brands. Her desire to share her insights into modern entrepreneurship drove her to create her platform to educate and empower women in business through the Samantha Wills Institute. She's also created an online masterclass designed for creative founders launching into the entrepreneurial world. Samantha has been inducted into the Her Business Hall of Fame and has been a finalist for InStyle Magazine's Women of Style Awards. She's also been nominated for Australian Woman of the Year. The New York Times named her a breakout star for her book and business memoir of Golden Dust, which is also featured on Forbes. The reason I invited Samantha Wills onto this podcast is that I had the opportunity of first meeting her about seven years ago in New York when I was doing a shoot with her. I fell in love with her energy, her class and her humility. Over the years, we watched Samantha Wills go from jewellery designer to billboard star and she has never once let her meteorics rise to the top go to her head. And in fact, she's one of the women that I think has grown only more beautiful with age and wisdom. In this episode, Samantha Wills has shared with us some of her wonderful and hard-learned tips on vitality, energy, and beauty. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you with the beautiful Samantha Wills for Ageless by Rescue podcast. I'm delighted to introduce Samantha Wills, I think Australia's business and beauty girl crush. Uh, Welcome to Ageless by Rescue podcast, my friend. What an intro. Thank you. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) Uh, Welcome home. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Uh, And you are on, I know that you've launched your incredibly successful book. um, And now you're on the cusp of launching a new business, uh, uh, an academy. T- tell me about that. Yeah, so, well, the Snapdoors Foundation, as it used to be called, was launched in 2016, kind of as a side, you know, business like not even a business side um interest I think to the Samantha Wills jewelry brand and I really wanted to share kind of you know the the 
the human spirit of business and kind of not just the highlight reel and, you know, the media grabs, but like the, the realities of it and started showing that back in 2016. And, you know, fast forward to now, I um, closed the jewellery business in that time and have really turned my focus back to working with female founders and, and creative entrepreneurs. And we've just rebranded um, in the last week or so to the Samantha Wills Institute. So it's going to have a real education focus, um, a real handing over of tangible, you know, documentation. Uh, PL structure, pricing calculators, all the tangible things. If the book was the storytelling of that journey, this is the, the handing over of the tools that other entrepreneurs, um, you know, I think will, will need for their journey. I um, had the pleasure of working with you and had a really lovely experience, I want to say about seven years ago uh, wow. in New York. We mm -hmm. shot together, you, uh, you were interviewed for Rescue and we shot a beautiful campaign at the Plaza Hotel. And yes. I remember meeting you in the lobby and it was a hot New York day and you were in this teensy wincy little crocheted <laughs> white dress or, you know, hair, your mane of hair, hand, legs. But the thing that just struck me is I'd seen you before and I'd interacted with you in a business sense, but never in a girl to girl sense. And you were really soft and shy. And I was yeah. really surprised because your energy was so soft and feminine. And I think I was expecting like Samantha Wills, you know, the, the billboard, the, <laughs> the billboard, the billboard. <laughs> Um, though it's really interesting and um, I was speaking to someone about this the other day and I said I think in my career I definitely am an extrovert and I show up very um, I'm not going to say loudly but you know with, with a presence and um, have done that for most of my career but I think you know if I contrast that personally there's there's a huge amount of introvert about me and I think I'm a creative introvert like I go away and creating my little creative cave and then kind of come out to the world and be like here it is but it's that real um I think it's I think the term is ambivert where it really crosses over but I'm, I'm really on the, the middle of the scale but I can be incredibly introverted and and clearly I was that day <laughs> Uh, let me ask you, what does ageless mean to you? Because you've lived a lot of life. How old are you now as we're recording? I'm 39. You're 39 and you've like yeah. you've achieved so much and had a lot of life. What does ageless mean or rather feel to you? Ageless to me, I think, I feel like we get given this kind of framework growing up, especially as women, specifically as women, where it's like, hey, here's the framework that you're meant to follow. And it's like you're meant to do this at this age and then you're meant to, you know, have a career, then get married and have babies by 30 at the latest and, you know, tick, 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 X, Y, Z kind of thing. And I think that it's, um, to me, Aegis is, is going like, I see your framework, but it's not my framework. I'm going to rework that framework for something that is right for me. And really not just, because I think we can say that in a very, um, you know, black and white sense as in, well, that's the ideal, obviously, to create your own framework. But when you have to go through, you know, in my case, 39 years of undoing of what society has told you to be or taking on what your parents framework is or you know whatever framework you've absorbed you've actually got to undo that to rebuild it and and I think that's the hard bit so to me ageless truly means accepting your own your own framework and your own timeline and not doing the compare and despair around what someone else is doing or what you know this almost like globbed on societal framework um, that we've absorbed over time 
as someone who's achieved so much and now you're going on to teach other women uh, to kind of transform their lives and and to tick some of the boxes that perhaps they've only dreamed of before did you as you were growing up or as a young woman have a checklist of things you wanted to achieve by a certain age is that you know why you moved to New York is that why you closed the jewelry business is that why you've taken on other projects has has there been as you were saying that societal um you know, blueprint that was impressed upon you uh, that really drove you in those early phases? Um, it probably wasn't around, you know, by a certain age for me. It was definitely, I think, in many ways, um, ego-driven in one way to be like, all right, well, you know, I've started this jewelry and I started the jewelry brand at 21. So everyone's like, oh, you were so brave. I was like, I was just naive. I had no idea what I was doing. And it was complete leap of faith, um, which in a, in a way was, was the huge benefit of it, right? But I think at that time you kind of like, all right, well, the next step then is, and your framework of success is just different. Like, you know, at 21, I was like, all right, well, my framework of success is if I have a celebrity wear the product and you're like, all right, well, I got that, check that box. Then it kind of, your, your framework of, of that kind of grows. Um, and then I think, you know, I think the biggest thing from a societal thing for me was at 30 years old, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I should be, I should be married and have a baby right now. And I took that on from, you know, in, in such a way that I didn't even realize I was putting that cloak of expectation on right. until it took me, I don't know, probably like I was, I found myself in a relationship um, for three years following that. And it wasn't until that relationship ended. I was like, hang on. I didn't even want to be married and have kids at 30, but I spent so long being like, oh my God, where's that person? Where, how can I tick that box? And I'm like, wasn't even my box to tick. Like, and I think that's, that's the thing where we're like, we chase these things and it's exhausting. And we wonder why it doesn't feel good. And we're like, well, it's not yours to chase. And I'm not saying not ever, but at that time, that's not your box to tick. So that was probably the main one for me was, was hitting 30 and being like, oh shit, I, I should have be married and have a kid by now. You were living in New York, um, which is of course like a completely different energy to living yeah. in Sydney. Um, what did, what was your take on their um, on your arrival into into that scene? Because you, I mean, you really did thrive in in that environment in a lot of ways, and your business grew. And I, for me, as an outsider watching you, I felt that your voice and your uh, ability to share of yourself like massively amplified you went from being a jewelry designer to being an icon to being a personality uh, to being you know someone that people were interested in your hair in your teeth in your legs what happened <laughs> it's so weird when you say it like that but yeah um, I think you know I moved to New York in 2010 and it was off the back of we had a placement in Sex and the City um one of the films and so I moved over because we're getting so much interest from from the states and I was 28 years old at the time and you know I shared this in the book where I'm like you know I kind of went over there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed but it was hard like I describe New York as a cruel mistress like it's someone you just keep going back to but they just treat you so badly and it's very much, um, you know, the first probably two years there were, were really tough and just trying to find your feet and trying to, you know, the energy over there is a lot different. It's very much a, 
um, a can-do attitude where it's not like, oh, if you have a bigger pie, then my pie is smaller. It's more like, hey, if we work together, we're both going to have a massive bit of pie. So let's like take this on. And um, there's definitely not that tall poppy syndrome um, mentality that I, I feel like is, is more common um, in Australia. And I think it was probably around if I pinpoint when you, you say that about separating from being a jewellery designer, it wasn't a conscious choice by any means, but I think that it was probably around 2015 that my career really started to diverge, um, you know, obviously still designing jewellery. And by that point, I probably had designed about 10,000 pieces of jewellery. Wow, so that was still definitely my, my job in the technical sense. Um, but I think, you know, over those years I had, shared a lot on social media and I think around that time and that that was when the relationship I was speaking about before ended and I just kind of shed the old me in a way is probably the best way to describe it and and shed what I no longer needed and that relationship ending forced forced me to do that it was very painful and personally dark time um and then when when I was able to re-emerge I kind of you know did so with more resilience and more vulnerability and more confidence and grounding I think in my own self which then you know, I, I talk about when we when we operate from our true authentic self, that's that's when we manifest what's right for us. And I think the word manifest has, you know, been so bastardized in this day and age, and people think, oh, it's mood boards with this, you know, gorgeous house and the Maldives, you know, holiday pictures on it. I'm like, no, that's such elementary manifestation. Manifestation is when you truly operate from here, from this you know solar plexus heart space that is when you attract what is meant for you and if you're operating in any other sense outside of that you'll just attract things that are not meant for you so it either won't be sustainable or it will just fall over on its face immediately and that relates to business life whatever and so I think at that time for me that's when I really was like you know got got in here and started attracting the career that was right for me and and that involved things outside of just jewelry design so it was um it wasn't planned, but when it clicked, I felt it. Um, I think something that you spoke about and you've spoken about very openly is that um, heartbreak is ageless and it's kind of borderless and it hurts just as much with your first love at 16 as it does. You know, if you're 17, your spouse dies or uh, in your case, the experience that you had. Um, yeah. Heartbreak is often a massive trigger for change and exactly what you said. So you talked about it being um, you moved into, a, you know, a different space. But mm -hmm. again, from the outside world, you also seem to have transformed physically and mm -hmm. there, there was a shift in how you looked. And I, I remember in your book, you talked about the time where you were the ambassador for Yellow Glen and your um, billboards were all over Australia and, and you looked amazing, uh, but it was also like the darkest time in your life. Um, tell me about that kind of the transcendence from being, you know, a young innocent to, to reinventing Samantha Wills um, from an external kind of in a, as a newborn woman. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the... Um... I, I, I honestly don't think at that time it was a strategic, like when you say it like that, it's like, oh, that would have been a really strategic brand move to kind of rebrand and change the look and things. But I think the truth is like it, it was an aging thing. It was, you know, when kind of, you know, the, the industry first saw me, I was 21 and, it, you know, you kind of go through those years. And I think, I think around that time, you know, it was probably, I was 33 
33, 34, 34, 35 at that time. And it just was an, an evolution. And I think, as I said before, like a forced one because you, you're forced to, everything that no longer kind of serves you was stripped away from me. So you're kind of like standing there bare in, at the time, it's incredibly raw and painful. But when I look at it now, I'm like, okay, you have the choice then to onboard what you want. You have the, the choice to you know rebuild in a way that um and I think that's that's what I did then and I think it was just a, a maturing of of myself and I think um you know and I'm not in any way comparing myself to the woman I'm about to say but if you look at Taylor Swift's career you know the evolution that she was 16 when she started and you know you can you can see that evolution and um I think it's just a natural progression that you have to keep evolving and and reinventing yourself um in different ways so I think that's that was the time for me and what do you do to keep fit and to keep sane uh, do you have any rituals that you follow that you just never miss I wish I could say that I did but no I'm like if I'm working like I'm working on a really big project getting this this master class launch right now and I'm doing you know back to doing 15 hour days and not not leaving my office which I know is is not good but I think what I've learned now is there are times I think previously you know people like oh you, you know, in entrepreneurialism especially like oh you work too much or you know you need to find some balance and I'm like well what what is balance to a creative entrepreneur and you know I mentioned that in the book I'm like that term was definitely not coined by a creative entrepreneur because when you're working on something creatively that is what gives you energy in a way and I like it if you know someone was an Olympic swimmer and they're up at three o'clock every morning you know training and in the pool five times a day people aren't going to be like oh you know you're training too much you're chasing your dream too hard they'll be like oh my god you're so dedicated um but when it comes to entrepreneurship I think that the traditional framework going back to that is that it, it's a job and it should be a nine to five in some weird universe because that's not you know ever possible so I think for me when I'm on a project I'm in and um I'm the first to say that my health probably takes a second seat to that but then when that project is done I'm like all right now I'm going to go back and reinvest in in myself um in New York that meant a lot of soul cycle classes like spin classes um there's a, a one here we're in lockdown at the moment but when that's opened um shelter spin class I live um, in Bondi so down at the beach a lot down there but it's um it's not a balanced you know ritual by any means it's an all-in work and then it's an all-in you know wellness which um yeah <laughs> it's it's just something I'm trying to work out <laughs> do you have a skincare routine I do I actually use Rodan and Fields which I absolutely love I've been using it for about two years now and I just yeah that's the only thing I use it's so brilliant a lot of people love that I use their cleanser and I think it's fantastic um I guess the blue foam yeah. one. Do you um do you have facials? Do you have laser? Do you have Botox? What do you do to, to you know to keep your skin looking great? Because it is one of your signatures, your glowing skin and oh, your beautiful, you. thick, healthy hair is kind of two of your signatures. And yours. Um, I love facials by uh, Fen, which is a new, um, it's from the founder of Onda in, in Paddington. Um, Nicole is her name, but she's, out of any facial I've ever had in the entire world, she is brilliant um so I highly what's different that. about her facial technique that you love she, it's very much I say it's like going to church like you're in there and it's the way that she touches your body is in the same beat as your heart so your entire body 
you just can't help but immerse in it's truly a spiritual experience and by the way she's incredible at skin so it's 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 twofold for me so I actually go there even if I don't need a facial I go there just as like almost like therapy um and but yeah she's she's a magician and a skin wizard um but yeah no I think I think what lockdown has taught me um is you know I'm probably not a beautician or a hair colorist at home but my god I have tried so God, you know, how real. This is my nightmare hair, but, you know, here we are. It looks gorgeous. <laughs> and tell me about um, your views on ageing gracefully or disgracefully. Um, how, what are your thoughts on having uh, intervention, like biohacking supplements? Would you ever consider surgery or lasers or injectables? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like I have absolutely no problem with that. I think it's I think it's when everyone starts to look the same is the problem that I have. And you know, it's I shouldn't say problem. It's more like I'm just like the individuality is the key and the importance is the thing that I stand behind entirely, be it in business and branding or in life. And I think maintaining that is so important. And you know, I look around now on Instagram and I'm like, just there's people that I could even tell you if that's that person or that person because they look so similar and I think that's that's when it's not interesting to me anymore but I think you know whatever um is good for the individual and makes them feel their best self um I just think we need to be questioning the framework around why we're doing certain things and make sure the framework of that is of our best interest to to our soul and spirit I think creativity is is a really interesting platform for the ageless conversation. And, you know, before we recorded, we were talking about uh, like heartbreak, like falling in love, like certain other things. Creativity seems to have no boundary when it comes to age or stage in your life. Um, tell me what your experience of that has been. You know, were you more creative when you were younger? Do you meet? artists or creative souls or entrepreneurs uh, who are who get better with age um, how does agelessness fit into the framework of of that world I think it's it's your world view at any given time so if I'm going to sit down and design jewelry today it's going to come from a worldview that is very an, an experience and travel and or every human emotion under the sun than it was 10 years ago for example so um, I mean, creativity is, is such in the eye of the beholder, right? To be like, oh, well, you're a better creative then than you were, you know, the, you know, when you're older than when you were younger. It's it's all about, I guess, the audience or you know what your measure of success of creativity is. For me, um, my creative output's different now. Like I use a different part of my mind to create at this time in my life. And you know, I, I say when I closed the jewelry business, I was designing jewelry with my hands, but not my heart at that point. Like my heart had left that that connection. And I as a creative person, yeah, right. And it, it's and it's a really scary feeling as a creative because that is your your lifeblood and it's what makes your blood pump through your veins. So when that stopped, you know, when that heartbeat stopped. I had to go find what that next one was. And um, for me, you know, now that is is teaching and, and, and storytelling and writing, but there was a time there where I didn't know what that was going to be. So I think it's, um, I think creativity as a journey, it's without a doubt ageless. It's, it's more, I'm going to say project-based, but it's, 
you know, there's different chapters of it. And I think being aware of what lights your heart on fire is really important to follow that because I think, again, our framework is like, well, if something's good, we've got to stay in it. And even if your heart's not in it, that's that's creative suicide to stay in something that your heart is no longer in. So knowing when to close the door on a chapter in, in any element and moving forward to see what that next one is and taking that leap of faith when sometimes you might not know what what the future holds but you know that in that moment it's time to take that step forward one of the things that um i've read a lot about um of course with ages i'm always looking at all the different aspects of it and one of the key areas of science is neuroplasticity and there is so much um research around um the link between art and creativity and uh you know, brain regeneration and and sharpness. What would oh. you recommend to someone who's who feels like they don't have a creative bone in their body? What could be something small that they could do that would switch on that part of their brain and help, you know, create a more playful, youthful, rewired, mm-hmm. um, creative part of their mind? A great question. I think that, you know, so often we think that creative is paint sets and a pottery wheel and you know it's very much the traditional arts which of of course it is but I'm like we create things as humans we're born to create we create friendships we create careers we create community so I think firstly breaking that thought process that if I'm not good at traditional art I'm not creative Um, I think the second one is following your curiosity like just what piques your interest like oh I've always wanted to try that and now everything's at our fingertips, right? Like you can go on Udemy or you can go on masterclass.com or you can you can literally do a, 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 core, a workshop in an afternoon and be like, okay, I tried crochet or whatever, whatever it is. So I think the accessibility is there. And the final one for me, and this is what I teach in one of my creative space workshops, is 900 seconds is all you need to just show up for 900 seconds, which is 15 minutes, so it's nothing. Because I think so often we get caught in this procrastination and, you know, this conversation with imposter syndrome it's like we're not you're not really good at painting so why would you try that kind of thing and all imposter syndrome is is a holding pattern of procrastination so you're like all right I hear you imposter syndrome I'm just going to go over here for 900 seconds and just try it and if I don't like it I'll come back and you know carry on with this conversation and usually what you find is when you just start you don't have to be good at it you can you can literally put your hand up at the sun and be like I'm going to be really terrible at this and remove all expectation from yourself and just start. And then, you know, you usually find 900 seconds in, you're like, I'm enjoying this. I'm going to stay a little longer if you don't walk away from it. So I think removing the big, oh my gosh, I need to do something creative in my life. And it's like, just cut it down to bite size. And it's much easier to start that way. I love that. I love that 900 seconds. That is so good. Speaking of um, imposter syndrome, um, A lot of people look at, you know, women in media or women who've achieved so much or people that we put on pedestals for their beauty or their success or their relationships and um, we project onto them, uh, you know, all of our own fantasies and wishes. Have you ever had imposter syndrome for that projection that, that the media and your fans and your followers projected onto you? Absolutely. I have. Imposter syndrome, as you know, I gave it a character in my book because it's so prominent in my life. Um, And I think, I don't don't know where it derives from, but everyone, if you think anyone doesn't have imposter syndrome, then it's, it's just not the truth. Like absolutely everyone does. And I think in this day and age of Instagram, you know, I can find myself scrolling on Instagram and part of my mind's like, 
get off Instagram, like this is bad for your mental health. And I'm like, just one more scroll, just one more scroll. And then, you know, like 30 minutes later, I'm like waiting for an adult to tell me to get off my screen time. And I'm like, no, no, Samantha, you are the adult here. So make that decision. But yeah, like you're on there and it's, even if you're not consciously doing it, it is the home of compare and despair. And I think it's, it's constant. um, I think we're always subconsciously kind of projecting on it. That's why the never ending scroll, you know, we, we lose an hour on Instagram and we, we don't even know what we're looking at kind of thing. So it's something I think we have to be really, really proactively conscious of. Yeah. You know, when we were younger, there wasn't obviously social media. Um, when was there a time in your life where you kind of consciously thought, I'm an attractive woman, like I, I like who I am and I identify as being beautiful? Um, I, I don't remember a time. I think there's moments where I have looked after myself. I feel my best when I'm, you know, exercising, obviously, and when I, you know, blow dry my hair and when I put that effort in. And I think, especially through lockdown, where some days I'm like, I'm just going to put fake tan on because I just, I really need you to sit and, you know, take care of myself to feel better about myself in a you know I'm not going anywhere no one's going to see it but it's it's a, a self thing so um I don't know to answer your question no I haven't it hasn't been a time where I'm like okay you know that's the new me I, I think I look you know x y and z but I, there's times where I'm like okay I feel good now and when I feel good I feel beautiful if that, yeah if that answers I, the I remember that there was a few months ago when you had your surgery you were sharing some um, images of your body as you'd gone through. Uh, I think you were taking cortisol or whatever you were taking and all the steroids and you were really open about it. And I thought that was really interesting because before, again, as I was saying, you were one of the women that, you know, Australian girls and Australian women looked to and said, oh, I want to look like her. Um, and then you shared the unfiltered images of this is what's happening to my body as I go through this surgery. How, how did you feel about that? And do you think that like a younger Samantha Wills would have had the mental dexterity and the confidence to be so unfiltered? Do you think that that's that ability to kind of say, you know, this is me, frizzy hair, mm-hmm. uh, pimple on my chin, uh, recovering from surgery, that comes with, you know, maturity and experience and confidence? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, and to answer the first part of your question, I don't think younger me would have would have had that confidence to do it. I think what I had gone through with the endometriosis and with the surgery and with closing the business, and I think the underlying thing to me was how I had spoken to my body over that time and with when the endo wasn't diagnosed and you know the, the words I would use in my head was like oh you know this is so annoying you're, you're such a hindrance like like it was so vile that you know I really sat with it and be like man if my best friend every single month was in, was in you know screaming pain crying out for someone to help her and I turned around and said God, you're annoying. Like you're such a hindrance. Like I would never, ever think of saying that to my best friend, but that's how I was talking to my body when it was asking me for help. So I think it was really revelation. Yeah, it, it was. And it was really sobering and humbling to be like, hang on, if I do this, I'm sure there's other women that speak to themselves like this and it's, I, I don't even think it's a conscious choice again I think it's just an internal narrative that we do and it's so dangerous so I think I don't know I just it wasn't even a second thought to me to share not only the pictures but the story behind that um 
that journey and the outpouring, my God, my inbox, like without exaggeration, I would have got almost 2000 messages from women. Um, I think, you know, endo as, as a disease in itself is, is not at all talked about as much as it should be. It's quite common. It's one in nine women. Um, and because it's, you know, it, it affects um, you know, your monthly cycle, women have been brought up again with framework to be like, oh, we don't talk about that publicly. Or, you know, you think back to, to ads, um, you know, when we're growing up, you know, the carefree ads, you're like, all right, well, that girl's wearing white capris on a bicycle. Like, all right, well, I guess that's what it's meant to look like. Kind of like there was just no framework around, hey, it, it can be this, 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 or this, not just like it's meant to be this. So, um, you know, adding normality and and normalizing that conversation was important. And that was about the photo. That was about the story. And that was about, hey, we need to normalize this conversation. If you could go back to 25-year-old um, version of you, what, what would you share with her um, as her wiser, older self? Oh, so much. Um, I think, I think, you know, don't worry so much what anyone else thinks because no one's really no one really cares I think you know yes we, we look at other people and we we're interested in their lives and things like that but at the end of the day we're human beings are quite selfish and inward facing so we're all worried about our own insecurities where we think everyone's going to be oh you know I remember going to a party when I was in high school and I was like I said to my mom I can't go wearing these shoes everyone will look at them and she's like get over yourself like no one gives a shit about your shoes like so I think you know I think at 25 I was very um, not concerned, but almost sometimes crippled by what, you know, what I was perceived as or what the brand was perceived as. So I would tell myself to just don't worry so much about that. And I think, you know, throughout the entire journey, the other piece of information was be like, you are intuitive just because you can't tangibly, you know, hold on to a yes or no decision, but you know it inside, trust that. Because I think, you know, we, we know what intuition means. We've known it from since we were children, but we've, it's been squashed where, we're, you know, that is not celebrated. That sense is not celebrated. So I think, you know, I really encouraging myself to, to trust that intuition. And if you were to time travel to your 50s, what mm -hmm. would that wiser, more experienced version of Samantha say to you today? Oh, she'd probably tell me like not to be working 15 hour days without sitting foot outside the house and, and get a bit more wellness back in, in there. Um, I don't know. That's a really, I've never gone that way, actually. Yeah, I, th I think she'd be like, hey, you've just been through a really big health journey. How about you listen to your body when it is talking to you? Um, because, yeah, it's, it's like I know, but I'm still... I'm still my own worst enemy in those senses. So I think it would be a health-related conversation from 50-year-old Samantha. Well, health is wealth and that's what keeps you ageless. And that's why I wanted to make sure that this podcast was beyond, you know, beauty products and, um, you know, all the surface things because every single beautiful man or woman that I've ever interviewed, it's always an, in, an inside job, not just their psychology, but also their health and the way that they're this taking care of themselves. And, you know, we both know, and we, I remember running into you at the mall one time, it was right after the breakup. And, you know, there's nothing as aging as sadness or trauma. Yeah. Mm. And <laughs> it is, like it's, it, it, it sits on your shoulders and it, it pulls at you and it's, um, 
it's it's an energy in you know if anyone thinks it's just a, a feeling and that's it I'm like no it is if you could see it it's a big dark energy and it sits in you until you can you can shed it in a way and um yeah it was it, that was a rough time and I, I wanted to share that story in depth in the book because it's you know even though it's a personal story as a business owner I mean you know like if you're going through heartbreak or grief or trauma or you know or a health issue like you still have to show up and be um so I think you know we sharing the, that polar element and, and the parallel of that is is so important and to wrap it up I would love you to share with us what are some quick hacks that take you from blah to feeling or presenting fresh mm-hmm. and uh, your most vital youthful self Oh, I think at a very surface level, getting in and washing your hair, like with a, <laughs> not just like a normal shampoo and conditioner, but you know, those scalp scrubs, like really like, it's a really visceral kind of, you know, shedding, almost like a baptism and, and, you know, blow drying your hair is for me is, is a really grounding and centering one. Um, and, and I think movement in and of itself, like even if it's not for a physical, you know, wellness priority, moving the body moves energy. And I think, you know, if, if, if I'm working on something and I need a creative solution, I will get up and, and walk around and move to try and shift that energy to allow what is trying to find me to a place to land. So that would be my two very simple hacks. And do you have a beauty look that makes you feel instantly fresh and it's like an easy go-to that always works? I do love just like a bronzy makeup. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not great at doing my makeup, but definitely just like a, a bronzy cheek and a highlighter and a, and a mascara and a, a brow gel. And that would be my, my basics. Fantastic. And finally, do you have an ageless muse that you you follow, you look up to, you're inspired by? I love Helen Mirren. I think she's just, I look at her and I'm just like, you are powerful. Like she's incredible. Um, Michelle Obama, I think is, is incredible. Um, But yeah, I'd say, I'd say Helen Mirren is probably my number one. And what about younger girls? You mentioned uh, Taylor Swift. Do you look at younger girls too? Because I always do. I love young people. And I, I think, oh, I learned something from you. I love you. Um, I, I mean, I am such an admirer of Taylor Swift. I admire what she's done with her career. I admire how she treats her fans. I admire her business savvy. Um, and I think she's a really interesting one. As we said before, you know, she's been in the spotlight. So to, to see her progression, um, she would be my number one who I would have dinner with. Although I'm, I'm such a fan, I'd probably mess it up. So I'm, <laughs> they say never meet your idols. So that could be one. That <laughs> just wish and hope. It was so good to talk to you. It, I love, I, I always love speaking with you and I always feel energized. And it was, your book was so generous. Your social media is so generous. I'm excited that you have got the um, Institute launching as well so that, you know, we can tap into more of our own creativity and learn about that because it really is such a pathway to being ageless, such a pathway to, to reinventing yourself and reinvigorating your soul. So it was a, a beautiful conversation for me to share with our audience. And I really want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And thank you for, for providing this platform and, and your questions are so brilliant and so, so needed. So thank you for, for stepping up and allowing uh, conversations like this to happen. And I think at the end of the day, ageless really is when you feel your truest self. So, you know, whatever we can do to, 
to shed and to peel back and to unlearn and get back to what we really want to do to me I think is the ultimate ageless. I do too. Wonderful to see you. Enjoy the rest of lockdown with the rest of us, but uh, you look fantastic. This is my own version of a blow dry. It's awful. I love it. (laughs) All right, my love. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And um, yeah, please shout out with anything that you need. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship, but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy, and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. I'm Bahar Etmanen, your host and founder of Ageless by Rescue. For more exclusive content, show transcript, behind the scenes video, real people reviews and extended interviews with experts, I invite you to please follow us at Ageless by Rescue on Instagram, Facebook and Rescue TV on YouTube. You can also sign up to receive our e-magazine and newsletters all for free 